Howdy Disco Citizens and welcome aboard the first ever edition of the Metaphorical Boats podcast. podcast is an opportunity for me to sit down with some of the Metaphorical Boat's favourite musicians to find a little bit more about them, to find out how they got into music, what makes them tick, and most importantly, how they take their tea. Our first ever guest on the Metaphorical Boat's podcast is Aidan Logan. Aidan is a singer-songwriter who's just returned from a successful set of gigs on the other side of the Atlantic in Nashville, and is gearing up for the launch of his latest EP, Turbulence. Aidan Logan, thanks a lot for being the first ever guest on the Metaphorical Boat Podcast. Thank you for having me, Chris. It's good to be here. Yeah, you must be very pleased to be the first ever guest on the Metaphorical Boat Podcast. It is a privilege I will uh, hold on to for a long time. Well, we're going to be finding out a bit more about your music later on, but all the guests on the Metaphorical Boats Podcast will be treated to a nice cup of a delicious caffeinated drink and a delicious bun or biscuit. So, Mr Aidan Logan, what have you opted for? I have opted for the tea. I read the menu and the tea seemed to be very good here. Oh yeah, we, um, we do make good tea here on the Metaphorical Boat. Yes, it's good It's good ship-made ship tea. And I've gone for a bun, and this bun is a, it's like a cream finger, so it's one of these, it looks like a hot dog, but it's got sugar all over it, and cream in the middle with a wee bit of raspberry on the top. And I've opted for a nice delicious cup of the caffeinated coffee, and my favourite bun ever, the Battenberg. Yeah, I don't like Battenbergs. You do not like Battenbergs? I, I think Battenbergs. Mm. If you had to say to me, what's my least favourite bun that I could wipe off the planet of buns, it would be the Battenberg. I just think they're rotten. Okay, so firstly, who is Aidan Logan? Um, I'm a songwriter. I would say, first and foremost, I'm a songwriter. I love performing and I love crowd interaction. I love having a bit of fun on stage. Some, recently I've sort of noticed, I tell a lot of jokes and I, I'm sort of, it isn't something I like to do. I just find myself cracking jokes whenever I'm like on stage or in front of an audience. But I would say first and foremost I'm a songwriter. When did you first get into songwriting? Interestingly, I I always wanted to be a songwriter. So the first my first memory of ever creating any sort of song would have been as about four years old. I was in the garden and I used to stand on the fence and sing whatever came into my head. I didn't know any song start to finish. But the first song I probably ever actually wrote would have been uh, probably P7. And uh, there was a talent contest. You had to do a talent, perform one of your talents, and I chose to write a song. And I, I had probably dabbled with lots of different songs, but this would have been the first because I had like a purpose. I had to have a complete song for something. I mean, I I sort of the, to this day I still have that kind of attitude where sometimes I'll I'll sit with the version of course and not bother finishing it for a while unless of a deadline. And um, but so I I finished that full song. I actually wrote it with my sister, and uh, it was called. What was it called? I think it was called The Old Lady. <laughs> and I could probably remember some of it still, some of this, the song. Yeah. Did you ever find yourself going back to some of those wee early songs you wrote whenever you were younger and just cannibalising, take little bits out of it and then bring them into your... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Your, your own songs? So, yeah, definitely. So, there, one of the songs on this EP is called Fallen. And I kind of wrote Fallen about three years ago. And it was a song I kept coming back to and never quite finished. But... Then I was going and I was recording after 10 studios and I was doing demos. I thought, right, I, the producer, uh, Chris, the recording engineer said, if you have any more songs to do, and I thought, you know what, I have this one that's been floating about falling. And I pulled out, literally pulled out then a pen and paper and scribbled down some lyrics to it and scribbled down a bridge. Now that bridge, I took, that was a chorus of a different song from maybe six years ago. 
yeah. and that that bridge was sitting there as of course another song that I never kind of really did anything with and for some reason I just thought I'm going to stick that bridge in here and so that was the cannibalisation so What age were you when you thought actually writing songs performing songs that's what I want to do? Honestly um, I was probably about six maybe even earlier than that it was I've never ever envisaged me doing anything else it was always what I wanted to do I remember someone reminded me of this recently I remember being really young like I started playing guitar really first when I was about four or five and I remember before then seeing other people who could play instruments who could play guitar could play piano and I remember saying to them wow that means you can write songs and when you were growing up what sort of artists would you have listened to? my influences growing up would have been first and foremost Garth Brooks my mum loved Garth Brooks and any time she was driving anywhere there was Garth Brooks' greatest hits running on in the car and uh, so that introduced me to his music I think the first song I ever remember singing I was probably about three years old and I remember singing Friends in Low Places in the Kitchen but that, that's still your favourite Garth Brooks songs or the other ones that you've that have succeeded no. it um, no I think the, the way a lot of people are whenever they have an artist they really like you tend to go for the more obscure songs okay. not, not the big hits so my, my favourite Garth Brooks songs would be uh, I love two pina coladas I love your song and I love uh, a song called The Red Strokes I love that summer I love what she's doing now this list could go on and on and on but there's Unanswered Prayers that's obviously was a big hit but there's a lot of his songs I love a lot of his songs my favourite albums would probably be The Seventh and, and No Fences No Fences was the first album I ever bought oh, you must have been heartbroken whenever that thing happened in Dublin where he was due to play in Croke Park and then it just pulled out all of a sudden well I benefited from that because guess who Dublin got in to replace him the big dog <laughs> yeah really? um, whenever whenever he pulled out Dublin City Council contacted a lot of songwriters across Ireland and me being one of them and said would I come down and play funnily enough on the night I had tickets to see him so instead of I was in Dublin I was booked to be in Dublin anyway so I went down and played in Dublin it was a great day and I ended up in an article in the Irish Times about Garth Brooks we nearly didn't miss you <laughs> and the, the opening line talked about me so <laughs> do you know what I mean that was like that was a weird sort of dream well not a dream but <laughs> It was a weird sort of funny coming together. So I want to put my biography that I, I fill in whenever Garth Brooks isn't available, you know. <laughs> so what other artists did you enjoy listening to? Well, I, I'm a guy who goes through spells of artists. So I go through a wee spell of an artist and I saturate my mind with all of their music because if I really like them. So uh, artists I've done that with are Billy Joel, Elton John. I've done it with Queen. I've done it with Tupac. I've done it with Ed Sheeran. I've done it with Hosier. Bruno Mars too. But the big one, oh, Michael Jackson as well. I went yeah. through a lot of Michael Jackson. I used to be very precious about and worried about being influenced by people because you don't want to sound like anyone else. But at the same time, you end up taking the bits you like out of them. And it's also a good entry point for people in the music, like people who may not be familiar with their music, if they're aware that you're a big fan or you're influenced by people like, for example, Bruno Mars or Michael Jackson, they might think to themselves, oh, I like those artists. And it's, it's think, an entry point. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it is an entry point. But if you think, I like Michael Jackson, I'm going to listen to Aidan Logan's music, you'll, you'll, you'll be very, <laughs> not disappointed, but hopefully you'll like it. But you'll not you'll not be sitting listening to Michael Jackson. You know, there's there they're just some of his songs and some some of his style stylistic things I have enjoyed and to find their way into the music just subtly absorbed in with a lot of artists. But I suppose if you're to say what artist am I most like, well, I'll tell you what you've heard my music, you've had it on your blog before. Who would you most compare my music to then? I do think Ed Sheeran is a good starting really? point because it's that it's that sort of acousticy mm. sound, and I think whenever you're trying to explain to someone what someone what an artist sounds like it's right. good to go to the big artists as a yes, comparison so, that's, so you can see that with hear that in some of the songs mm-hmm. but I do feel that classic pop 
sound yeah. yet. So it's like it's not it's not pop as in the pop star stuff, yeah. but like like good pop structures to it. Yeah, well, do you know what you've hit the nail on the head? There are pop structures. I mean, I, I love a lot of pop structures. One of one of my favorite say not a favorite song, a song I really like, and a song I would have listened to a lot maybe growing up would have been Take That Back For Good. That is a classic pop structured song. It, but it's not like pop pop. It's not pop pop. It's like, um, as you, you would almost say acoustic pop. It's a bit like that. So yeah, that would have a big influence on me in terms of, in terms of structure. I mean, but in saying that, a lot of Garth Brooks songs, like his sort of earlier stuff, would, would have fitted into that category as well. A lot of his songs you could have taken and they would have been that classic pop song style in terms of the structure of them. So what would you say would be the perfect pop song from that, like a song that you think that's just got a perfect structure to it? Um, hmm. Well, already that one, Back For Good. Well, do you know what, do you know what, what song is a, has a, like, it's a really, really good structure? I think it's a really brilliant song. And people might think it's cheesy. What makes you beautiful? That's brilliant. I mean, there's a great guitar hook in that. Great melody. It's a real feel-good song. Um, the only thing it's missing, if you're talking about classic pop song structure, is a key change. Yeah, you know, so that's very good. What would you say is your favorite song ever? Now, people have asked me that a lot. People always seem to ask that whenever they hear you play music or you write songs. What's your favorite song ever? I know, I I'd be the same. Like I I do know what my favorite song is, but it's the sort of thing that changes every time. Whenever I'm talking to people about the favorite song, I always say, if someone says what your favorite song is, what they really mean is, what's your favorite ever song and what's your favorite Beatles song? My favorite ever Beatles song would be the Long Mind and Road. My I don't really have a favourite ever song. It tends to be a favourite song at that moment. A few months ago, I loved, do you know the Naked song, Sexual? I'm feeling sexual. <laughs> or Sensual, maybe is the radio edit. The radio edit. <laughs> I really like that song, a brilliant song. I, I, last year, I would really love Cake by the Ocean. I would say, wow, that, that's a brilliant song. That's a brilliant, uh, you're talking about pop song structure. It's brilliant, although it doesn't have a bridge. I'd probably go back to the Garth Brooks song, uh, and Michael Jackson, Man in the Mirror. That song was brilliant. I that's that's one of my favorite ever songs. Oh, another a Billy Joel song, all about soul. Really love that one. Frankie Valley. What do you call that one? You're just too good to be true. I, I can't take my eyes off you. Can't take my eyes off you. Can't take my eyes off you. Love that one. Also love Oh What a Night. Yeah. Um, I I actually think Oh What a Night. I think that's probably my favorite pop song. It's, yeah. It's just got a perfect structure to it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of like songs that just build up. Like I like it start with the drums and the piano comes in and then just throughout the first verse the other instruments come in. The uh, the other one can't take my eyes off of you. I think they had a great great difficulty releasing that because they said for the time period it was in. Listen, this isn't this isn't pop music. It also wasn't swing music. It was it was from an era that it couldn't pinpoint. They said this won't go anywhere right now, and they said listen, release it. Bob Gaudio said listen, this has to be released. He was the guy who wrote it. He used to be the keyboard player in the Four Seasons. This you have to release this, and it was Frankie Valli's. I think it was his only, but definitely his first ever solo number one but anyway I get rambled on there I can't remember what we're talking about oh no that's fine that's the that's the beauty of this podcast we just ramble on in any direction we, f- we see fit mm-hmm. how easy do you find it uh, as an artist establishing yourself in the Belfast music scene is it difficult or is it finding gigs or is it easy to make those sort of contacts to help you out that's a fascinating question I think that establishing yourself locally is about playing a lot of live venues there's several different scenes going on side by side in Belfast. You can play in certain different venues and there'll be someone else doing the same. There are different venues on different nights and both of you could be well known in the venues you're playing. 
but never even have met each other or people won't people in one moment then you won't have heard another one it's a tough old thing there's there's always new people that I haven't heard of and people are saying you haven't heard of such and such there's that much talent here I think it Belfast presents challenges that you maybe wouldn't find in different areas different cities like I think Dublin would be completely different Nashville's obviously completely different so what sort of venues would you have started off at whenever you were first venues I ever really would have played in would have been the basement uh, beside City Hall that, it's like yeah. a bar downstairs it looks yeah. like Cheers is that still there it yeah it is still there yeah uh-huh. still there um, but it, that they had an open mic night on uh, I think it was a Thursday night and a friend of mine ran it and I used to go down there that they might have been like my first ever public performances with a guitar singing original material where else the Empire uh, have played Mandela Hall that was that was a great night you were there it was yeah um, I wa- oh yeah the likes of uh, used to be here but it's closed down now Auntie Annie's oh yeah I, I think I, I think almost every local band in Belfast has played Auntie Annie's at some point um, I played for the first time with a full band I think there another one is the Pavilion on, on the Ormo Road would have played a lot of shows there um, out McHugh's basement yeah that's that's near uh, the Albert Clock yeah. Do you think there's enough venues in Belfast for Scottish artists? Because there's been quite a few that have closed down. Like I say, Auntie Annie's has closed down and a lot of other venues aren't... Black, no black box is still about. Yeah, yeah but the thing is, sometimes, depending on what you're looking for, you can't find the right venue. It's hard to draw people to, especially for bands starting out. You know, if you're, if it's maybe your third ever gig, and maybe everyone came to the first two, and you're trying to draw people and new audiences in, it's going to be hard to do it in some of the venues where they're situated. Um, but I think I think there probably are enough venues it's just where they are so in terms of other artists who would play here locally do you have any favourites? I've been to see Castro a few times lately I don't like comparing bands to bands but I think there's somewhere between Mumford and Sons what maybe Oasis might sound like in 2017 yeah you know so I like Castro um, obviously I like Owen Denver I've, I've played with him a few times uh, I really enjoy his music um, he he's great. He's a great pop writer. I like his pop hooks. Yeah. Chris Dixon. I really like Chris Dixon. Have you ever heard of him? I actually haven't. Chris is the guy who's, who's producing my EP, and uh, I I uh, got to hear some of his original material. He played in bands in England, and I love his songs. He has really. He would be very similar to me in terms of what he tries to get out of a song. I would say go on the Facebook and all the social media and find Castro on Denver, and, and I think Chris Dixon's on SoundCloud and YouTube listen to some of their music and I think you'll be very I mean and you know what Belfast and, and Northern Ireland is a big place there's other great acts out there like Sam Wickens is incredible yeah you know there's uh, Glass Wings Glass, oh yeah I saw Glass Wings a couple you, of times you've had him on your blog haven't you I've had him on the blog and I've, I've been seeing him a couple of times and yeah. he is pretty he's got, a, got some really good songs out there I think his EP's out next month so I'm looking forward to hearing that but he's got a couple yeah. of singles up there which are Actually, kind of similar to yourself in that they've got that, that classical, so, that almost classic, classic song pop, pop classic structure. Pop, yeah. Now, Ian, I understand you're just back from a gig on the other side of the Atlantic. Yes, that's right. Well, I did a few shows. Um, I was luckily, lucky enough to be selected by Pan Arts. He brought me over to Nashville along with three other songwriters from here. Um, How did you get selected for that? Interesting question. Um, I was playing at an event. A promotional event for the Belfast Nashville Festival, yeah. and the directors of Pan Arts more or less said, "Now, would you like to come for a wee cup of tea?" And I went, "Yeah, okay." And uh, this is, "Listen, we're taking four people over this year again. They've done it for a lot of years." And uh, asked me would I be one of the four, and I said, "Yes, of course, love to." 
that's how it sort of came about. You know? What was it like playing in Nashville? Had you been to Nashville before? No, that was my first time in America. It was my first time in the States and my first time in Nashville. And it was incredible. It's a wonderful city. It's really... It's a real music hub. You really sense there's music everywhere. Everybody's talking about writing songs. You're sitting in cafes. I had this experience one morning. It was on St. Patrick's Day, actually. St. Patrick's Day, I was sitting in a cafe just off Music Row and there was people on either side of me talking about song structure. And I just sat there going, wow. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to be. But also, you don't know you don't know what songs these people could have written. <laughs> and then I left that cafe and walked around to a publishing house and did a co-write in, in, a, in a music in a room down there they have music rooms in the publishing houses for uh, staff songwriters so these are rooms that usually have like a whiteboard a piano a guitar sitting about and bottles of water and food and whatever and people sit there all day writing songs that's a big jump from Belfast now I went out to Nashville I think 2011 I went there just for a week just because I love the music and it's absolutely incredible the one thing that always gets me every time is that in the, there's a main uh, road in Nashville there's about 30 Broadway Broadway yeah there's about 30 bars on each side of the street mm-hmm. you walk into any of them there's a band playing and any of the bands playing will be of a really good quality mm-hmm. but they're just there for free and even the even the buskers in Nashville they're at a completely different level yeah when I was over there there was buskers who were playing double bass and ukulele and yeah <laughs> it's just incredible I think someone told me recently the music starts in broad, on Broadway. The music starts at ten a.m. and goes on to two a.m. Cool. There's literally like twelve hours. No, that was that fourteen hours. I'm not good in months. <laughs> no, what's that? More than four to sixteen hours, six, isn't it? It's, it's quite a lot. It's a lot of hours anyway. Music goes on for a lot of hours, and I remember we were in. We went out one night, uh, one of the last nights we were there. A couple of the songwriters and we we wound up in a bar watching this band play, and as I say, it isn't just country music they were playing. It was Adele rolling in the deep. And I always thought that was a good song, but whenever I heard it live, this the version this band did it, I went, "Wow, that's the greatest song ever!" It just it was hers up on the neck moment. They were just incredible. Did you get to do much sightseeing or any of the touristy bits? Cause not I, really. I, I know whenever I went there, I got went to the uh, Country Music Hall of Fame, and I, I really enjoyed that because they give you a wee earpiece to listen around. It's Dolly Parton does a narration. Serious? No, I didn't know that. No, we didn't really get to see much sightseeing. I did go out one morning. On, on, on the Saturday, we were there, which was one of our last days, our second last day, we did go out to uh, Franklin, um, to uh, a well-known place there, I think it's called Pockets, and it's like, a, it's like a, it's the sort of thing you'd get a lot in America, you don't tend to get here, it is like a, a mini-mart, supermarket type thing, that also does hot food, yeah. and also has a stage with live bands. So we, we went out there and, and uh, we were also, while we were over there, we were filmed for a documentary. They were doing a documentary on what they call the Nashville Four, the four of us songwriters over there. So we were being filmed over there just having something to eat and playing some music. But on the way out there, some of the sites, some of the mansions you saw, literally people are living in like castles out in Franklin. And just as we were filming there and were messing about with guitars and all, as we're on, on the way back, someone said this, that's a good one about Justin Timberlake, isn't it? And I said, what? See, see where you were filming there and all. That's Justin Timberlake's house behind it. <laughs> what? And apparently this place pockets. Apparently Justin Timberlake comes in all the time, and uh, eats food and all there. And the girl behind the counter was wearing Justin Timberlake's hat. So as I say, it isn't just country music. It's just a country hub. Or sorry, it's just a music hub. Now, while you were there, you performed at the Bluebird Cafe. What was it like performing there? Now, now for people who may not know the Bluebird Cafe, what is the significance of it? So the Bluebird Cafe it is. It is like a legendary um, venue in Nashville, and it's known all over the world. 
lots of real huge country stars began their careers playing the Bluebird Cafe. So I think it was the gentleman who wrote The Gambler and um, used to play there years ago. He set up this format of playing which is called In The Round. So In The Round is where the performers sit in the middle of the venue, maybe three or four songwriters with a microphone pointed at them and they take turns singing songs and telling stories. And this has really caught on. It, lots of venues do it now, but that all started in the Bluebird. Artists like Garth Brooks, um, Taylor Swift, have all been discovered there, countless more. Garth Brooks, one of his biggest songs is a song called The Dance. And uh, the gentleman who wrote that, Tony Arata, Garth Brooks was sitting in the Bluebird Cafe and he heard Tony Arata sing that song. He said, listen, if I ever get a record deal, can I record that song? He said, yes, of course. And he recorded the song and it was a real mega hit for him, one of his biggest songs. But so the, the Bluebird is legendary. Um, some big acts have played there recently, like uh, well, Garth Brooks played there in October. It only holds about 95 people, so it's really intimate. And you can hear a pin drop. Nobody's allowed to speak. If you speak in the Bluebird, they ask you to leave. What, what happens if you accidentally were full on? Do you, get, do you have to be escorted out of that happens? There, there's signs there that say, please turn your phone off. But I don't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't hear any phones go off, so I don't know what to do. I'm sure big, big bouncers come out and trail you out. <laughs> and give you a good kick on outside. And the songwriter is king, and the bluebird, the songwriter is king. So everyone's desperate to be dead silent and hear the blue, uh, the songwriter's story and hear the song. Yeah. How did that go down with the American audience there? You know, I, th- I think it went well. I mean, you can't you can't always tell. Nothing was thrown at me. That, that's, that's a good, good start. start. That's always a good start. Um, I've actually been emailed by some, some of the people who were there that night. I've got uh, some social media response um, from people, even like literally as recently as a couple of days ago. But someone uh, contacted me on Instagram and had, had written a blog post about that night, uh, a music blog post, and commented and could still remember the names of some of the songs. I think it went down good, you know. Um, I, I loved it. I, I, got to meet, I, I got to meet a lady over there, Benita Hill, who'd written a couple of number one hits for Garth Brooks, and she was sitting in the front row watching. And that was, as I say, for me, growing up a Garth Brooks fan, that was a huge, that was a huge thing to look up and see, you know. I suppose, see, whenever you start off writing songs, you imagine playing somewhere like the Bluebird where everyone's hanging on every word. I looked up in the middle of one of my songs, a song called Never Meant To Be, and there was a lady sitting in the audience crying. And I don't know if she was crying because I was singing out of tune. <laughs> but no, but that, that, that's something I'd never experienced. You look up and you see, wow, people are actually so, so intently listening to the songs that they're getting emotional around them. Now, the, the, the venue has that kind of effect too. It's as if all the songs, all the great songs that have been played there over the years are almost trapped in the bricks. So do you hope to get back to Nashville at some point? Or like, have you made some contacts when you were there as well? I've, I've been speaking to some people and I've, I've said I would go back and hopefully in a few months' time, in the autumn time, I'm hoping. And the next exciting thing to be happening with Aidan Logan is the release of your new EP, Turbulence. Yes. How did the recording for that come about? I was doing some acoustic demos and so I heard of a new studio had opened up which was studio after 10 studios and uh, recorded a few songs the producer there the, the audio engineer said he liked a particular song and how would I feel about coming back redoing the song to a, a click track and letting him layer it up and, and do some do something with it make it a proper proper layered up song and I said yeah sure so he offered to do that I was really happy with what he did with it and I said let's make an EP together. So is this your first EP? I understand you did release some music a couple of years ago, but do you consider this your first EP? Well, no, no, this is this is definitely the second EP, but um, 
it's going to be very different from the last one I think um, I think the music's developed a wee bit yeah. and the sounds moved on yeah I think the first EP was facing forward in 2014 yeah. so this is going to be <laughs> this is the big step. comeback yeah yeah this is the big comeback yeah I'm going to have more comebacks than Sinatra <laughs> um, yeah this is the big comeback it's going to be quite different from the last one it's not going to be that far removed but it's going to be different from, from the previous one yeah and so the EP is called Turbulence, and I think Turbulence, that's the title track of it? That's the title track. The title track's called Turbulence, which was a song idea I got last summer on a plane. And uh, funnily enough, there was some turbulence. And <laughs> As I, happens. I was listening to the music on the headphones, and the plane shook. And people around me were a wee bit... Uh, it, it was bad turbulence, and people around me were quite panicky. Everyone was looking around, and people were starting to pray. And the pilot came over the... Tanoi and said that we're just experiencing some turbulence and I thought that's a great title for a song and I jotted down on my phone my phone was starting the battery was down and I needed I was going to Portugal I needed to ring people when I got there so I got a wee uh, napkin off the air hostess and jotted down some ideas yeah, yeah do, you always, do you always keep a wee pen with you just in case no I don't keep a pen with me no I, mean, I got a pen there but I, I don't keep a pen with me I usually jot the ideas down on my phone but I was, I was in an airport waiting for a flight for say like an hour and a half uh, messing about my phone no on my own and that, that's what you do the, where the generation now where you're sitting you've got time to kill you mess about in your phone you know whereas in, in our father's generation we would have got drunk at the bar yeah so, oh, you can still do that oh you can still do both yeah it's not a good combination yeah, yeah so that, that's that's what the title song Turbulence came about and funny I got tur- the idea for Turbulence on a plane and then the next time well not the next time but one of the next times I was on a plane was on the way back from Nashville and I got another song idea which is a song called Skydive and that song is now being covered by an artist from down, down south. She's working. She's going to be recording in any time soon now. So she's released a new EP and, and she heard Skydive. She wanted to record it yeah. uh, along with a few other songs. So yeah. the Skydive is on the EPs. That would that would be pretty unfortunate. Turbulence then Skydive. Yeah, another one. You know, work. it's funny. Uh, the the song titles of the EP. Someone just pointed this out to me. The song titles of the EP are, um, higher, yeah. turbulence, <laughs> fallen. And seems you better go. <laughs> and that was not intentional. That was completely just... That just occurred later afterwards, you know? So it's... I want to say it's a concept EP, but it's not. It's just the way the songs fell out. Yeah. You know? So when, when will we be, we be expecting to hear that EP? You should be hopefully expecting to hear something on that EP within the next few weeks. And hopefully the next sort of three or four weeks there'll be things online for you to hear. That's very exciting. And is it going to be a launch night to launch the EP? Yeah, ho- hopefully it'll be a launch night. I've, I've been already speaking to one or two acts who might be interested in doing some support, so I'm looking forward to that. Well, Ian, thanks a lot for agreeing to come on the Metaphorical Boat. and It's been a great pleasure to chat to you. And if anyone wants to find a bit more information about Aidan Logan, how do you want to go about doing that? Um, well, you can go to www.aidanloganmusic.com you can go to Facebook forward slash Aidan Logan Music. You can go to Instagram at Aidan Logan Music, Twitter at Aidan Logan. And I think that's everything. Is there anything else? I think that MySpace, no, that MySpace is ancient. I think I do have a MySpace page somewhere. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. But, but, you, but you don't use it. No, I wouldn't go on it because <laughs> if it's still there, it would be very out of date. <laughs>